Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me today. I am your host, Meredith Bell. And I have a question. I want to ask you to imagine that you were a star athlete in college and your identity was wrapped up in that role. And after you graduate, sports are no longer the center of your life. How do you make the transition from athletics to business? Well, my guest today has firsthand experience with that scenario, and you're going to love hearing his story, as well as all the things he's doing in the business he runs today. So I want to welcome to my podcast, Chase Dalton. Chase, I'm so glad to have you with me. Thanks so much for inviting me, Meredith. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you for a long time, so um, this is going to be fun. It is, and there's just so much I want to tap into. Let me tell my audience just a little bit about your background. In college, Chase was an outstanding athlete. He's a three-time All-American in track and field, and once he held the title of junior national champion in the decathlon. Well, fast forward to today, where Chase is the CEO of Silicon Signs, and this is a company he founded in 2018. He leads a team of 20 to create signs for brick and mortar businesses in all 50 states. And from my earlier conversation with you, Chase, I I know you are an exceptional leader. You, You epitomize the focus of my podcast, Grow Strong Leaders, because you have focused so much on your own growth and development, and you're so committed to developing your people. I'm really looking forward to diving into our conversation. Let's start, though, with your journey from college athlete to successful entrepreneur. All right. Yeah, that was a it was an interesting transition for me. Um, Sports, you know, athletics, track and field was everything. Um, I, I woke up thinking about it. I went to sleep visualizing my my technique and all throughout the day in between classes and, and, and the very little studying I did, I wasn't, I wasn't a a terribly great student. Um, I, I was, I was watching technique videos. I was reading books. Um, I was looking up stats and marks from people across the country. It was, it was everything to me. Um, I really, really wanted to be, uh, wanted to do really well. Um, and I felt like I had the potential as well. Um, that, that, that's part of it. I mean, there, there's some people who, who love what they do so much and they just want to do it because they love it. But sometimes when you, when you get that mixture of you love what you do and you also have the potential of doing really, really well at it based off of, you know, it could be biology or, or, or opportunities or whatever, um, great things can happen. And, and so I was, I was really excited. I had a childhood dream of going to the Olympics um, and I have it written down in books from when I was as young as you know ten years old that I want to I want to win a gold medal at, at the Olympics. Mm. Um, and so it was a it was a, a huge huge dream and goal for me. Um, and uh, I, I didn't make it. Um, I got I got relatively close, I guess. Um, in 2014, I got fifth at the U.S. Championships, um, and the top three make it to the Olympics. Uh, during an Olympic year. It's a little more competitive during Olympic years, but I thought, okay, I got fifth year. Give me a couple more years of training. I, I kind of just feel like I, I hit my stride here. I think I have a fighting chance um, at, at actually doing this. And I was a little bit older. Um, you know, I was 27 um, in 2016. That's the, the Olympics I was I was shooting for. And and that's a little bit older for, for, for athletes. Uh, things start to hurt a little more and start to fall apart a little, a little faster, um, at, at that age. And, and the injuries were catching up to me. And, and so I, I, I figured this is going to be my last shot. Um, I didn't make it. Um, I, I dealt with some injuries that year and, uh, and some other hard things. I mean, I, there's no money really in track and field. So I was 
just kind of trying to work at UPS part-time packing boxes to, uh, to make some money. I had a couple sponsors that would help me out. My wife was in school. So we got some student loans there and Pell grants and just trying to make it, but, but we didn't, I, I, I didn't make it. Um, and it was heartbreaking. Um, in fact, I, I remember driving home one evening and just sobbing, just knowing it was kind of this realization moment for me that it's not going to happen. Uh, for me, I, I don't have the money. I don't have the res- you know, the resources or probably even the time anymore to try it for another four years. Um, and it was, it was heartbreaking. That's a lot of time and, and years and years. I mean, got 15, 15 or 20 years, you know, put into to this altogether of, of trying to, to accomplish this this one thing. Um, but also it wasn't just that I didn't accomplish that dream or that goal. It was also that there was, I was lost. I was like, well, now what? Um, I mean, sure. Yeah. I have a degree in sociology, which was sort of a, a, a degree I got because I kind of got stuck. I was an athlete and it was just a quick, easy degree, which we could talk about later, which I love that I studied sociology. Um, but I have a degree in sociology and, um, and not much else here. I'm 27. Um, and, you know, I have, there's people a lot younger than me who are doing a lot better things and more than, than I am now. And, and do I go and be a coach? No, I don't. I'm not really interested in coaching. And it's not really the lifestyle I, I, I want for myself. And, um, and so it was, it was really, really difficult. And I had to reinvent myself in a way. Um, and so it was, uh, I, I ended up going into, into business. I started a little advertising business um and uh just you know because we're we're living off of nothing anyway so like yeah it's a good chance to get good opportunity to just go all in risk it all risk nothing that we had um started a little advertising business uh doing outdoor advertising and found out really quickly that um there was better margins and an easier sale selling just the signs rather than the ad space rental and so i made that transition uh into signs and and i found a partner who was really really knowledgeable in the space around my age and and he's still my partner today and we started silicon science in 2018 and uh it's it's done really really well relatively you know i'm proud of what we've accomplished um in the short amount of time that we've been in business um but it was uh it was a a really it, it was i was really surprised about how easy that transition was from athletics from coming to this dark place in that car of despair i mean i could probably call it despair is how i was feeling like i my my, my dreams are over and i have nothing to no 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 light to walk toward really um in, into this place where i was like ah i can be an athlete without the tiring and you know, the really hard workouts and injuries and and uh, i can actually make money doing it uh you know the the goal setting the the, the obsession with growth and technique and strategy surrounding myself with coaches and mentors and people who have either been there before or have helped other people get there. Um, all of these same principles surprisingly translated almost perfectly into business. And it, and it, I felt like I was, I was coming home. Um, and, and what a relief that was to, to find a, a, a place where I could, I could dump all of that energy uh, that competitive energy into and 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 it's been it's been a, a wild ride and I've learned a ton and every about six months I look back and in, in the past and I and I wonder like did I even know anything six months ago it's just amazing this crucible uh that being a business owner uh, puts you through to of just of just learning uh yes. constantly and being kicked down and built up and uh, it, it's, it's a ride. Um, but entrepreneurs love the chaos and I'm, I'm no exception to that. Well, I love that you pointed out some of those, uh, strengths that you brought from your experiences in sports into the business world. Cause you're, you're so right. The, so many things are transferable to what you're doing now. One of the things that I know you've done as a part of building your team is you are very clear on your values, your vision, your mission. I'd love for you to share, how did you go about creating that? How did you involve 
your people and also get their buy-in so that that's what you live day to day. Yeah. I, I love this. I, I love this story and I, and it's fun thinking about it and, and, and reliving it because it's, it's only a couple of years ago. So we've been in business five years and I, somebody recommended a book to me uh, called traction by Gina Wickman, where he talks about the entrepreneur's operating system. And this is the first time I've heard of an entre- operating system or, or anything. And, and, and remember, I studied sociology in college. I, I didn't study business. I didn't, I don't have an MBA. Um, I'm going off of pure instinct and drive um, and, and, you know, <laughs> to, to build this business and, and, and trying to, again, trying to surround myself with other people and good information and, and find whatever information is available to me. Um, somebody recommended traction. I read it and I immediately, I read it in one day and I immediately said, this is what we need, uh, to get us to the next level. I read it. I, I, I read it again. And this time I took like 20 pages of notes. Um, just like, okay, here's how we implement EOS and, and, and all this thing. Part of that is defining your mission and your values and your purpose. Um, and around that same time, I just finished reading, um, start with why. Um, by you know, Simon Sinek. Uh, and, and so it was kind of coming at me from different angles is that I need to have a why. And not only, it, it's not just that I need to have a why, I had a why, um, but that's not being a leader. Uh, being a leader is having a why, having a purpose, and then being able to effectively communicate that to a team and achieve buy-in. So at that time, we had just assembled a, the the bones of what is now our, our leadership team. Um, part of EOS is also, you know, going through a, a structure and, and having an accountability chart. And uh, so we sat down in, in our in our meeting, our you know annual company meeting, as they call it, and it was our first one, our inaugural one. Said, okay, what? Let's define it. What is our what is our purpose? Let's put it down on paper. And and we sat there. And, and I, you know what, if I, I still have a, a big four by eight sheet that we just wrote on with a, a Sharpie marker and it's sitting down in our warehouse and I'm going to keep it forever because it has all of these values that we wrote down. So what's important to us? And we asked some questions. What, what are our favorite attributes about ourselves? First of all, we're the ones who built the business, me and my partner. What, what do you think, what is it within us that has got us to this point that has made our customers want to come back? that has helped us grow at this pace. Um, and then we thought, okay, who is an ideal uh, ideal employee at Silicon Signs? If, if we can just find one and then replicate them and clone them, what would they be like? And we started putting down all these attributes. And then we started combining things and boiling things down um, to, these, to these, five, these five attributes. And then we wanted to make sure that they meant something to us. Not that uh, we wanted to stay away from cliche um, definitions or even cliche terms and words. And we wanted to, to make it special to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we came up with our, with our core values. Um, and, uh, and, and one thing that was also very important because we put so much thought into these and we made it personal, it wasn't just, well, somebody said we had to have these. And so, well, let's be honest and hard workers and innovative, and, you know, <laughs> not saying those are bad. You can have those as core values if they mean something to you. But we wrote them down and we wrote down, what does that mean to us? And if somebody were to look at the dictionary definition, it probably doesn't match. Um, this is our definition. And so our interviews, when we bring on new people, our interviews are, are rarely, well, where did you work before? And what would you do in this situation? And whatever it's, so one of our really important core values is, is partnership. What does partnership mean to you? Um, and let's, let's, hear, let's hear what that means. Um, being assertive. Is, a, is one of our core values. What does assertive mean to you? And some people sit back and they're like, um, that, is that, they think that means aggression, you know, being aggressive. You know, it's so like, it means like, kind of, I don't know, get into people's space. Like, why is that one of your core values? It's like, no, that's not. And we explain what our, what our definition is of that. And so we start out day one. We have our core values posted around our, our shop. We hire, we fire, we reward, we recognize, we bonus. Um, we, we center our, our meetings around our core values. It's not just lip service. Um, and I've gotten the feedback from every employee that they really appreciate the direction that our core values give us. Um, and that we actually live by them. 
And, and we hold ourselves accountable to say, if I or my partner or any of the leaders are not living up to these core values perfectly, we expect to be called out on them. If we make any decision, we behave in a certain way that isn't in line with these. You call us out on that. Um, so we can fix it and or so we, we can address it. Um, and, and so it's, a, it, it is our, it is our guiding light. And the way that I would, I think values, we call it, you know, core values is sort of a, a business term, but we talk about values and morals and ethics in a personal way or in a family way all the time. And the way that I can help, I, I, I define what values are is it, it's a set of principles that makes a decision for you before you have to make the decision. And mm-hmm. that's a, that, I, I said that poorly, but when you're faced with a decision and all of the emotion and the stress and the pressure that comes with that decision, then a lot of times, if, if you don't have values to lean back on, you're going to go off of your gut, your emotions, your instinct, your fear, um, and to make that decision. But to be able to lean back on your values and say, nope, this is who I am. This is who I decided I want to be and who how I want to act. That already made that decision for me. So I don't have to think about it. We know the answer. Um, and, uh, and, and so it, it, it provides a lot of strength for us mm-hmm. as we try to make tough decisions with maybe a bad customer or, you know, a, a, a vendor or something it's like, no, this is who we are and this is how we act in this situation. Can you give an example? I love the fact that you live and breathe these in such a, a deep level. And I love what you just said about having those clear values helps you in decision-making not have to waffle and you know waver about what what you ought to do based on being driven by those and i think having an example would be really powerful at this point yeah yeah i'd love to um i think a really powerful example um i i need to bring up what our core purpose is and our core purpose is pulled straight from a book called uh who not how um i'm blanking on the author do you know um uh, anyway yeah, you could look Pam it up Sullivan is one of them and benjamin yes. hardy is the other mm-hmm. yes See, i knew you'd know you'd know um yes an amazing book um recommend to anybody 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 <laughs> let alone especially entrepreneurs uh, business owners and leaders um and uh what, what he talks about is that uh, is freedom of time money, relationship, and purpose. And so we just yoinked that right out of that book. That's our core purpose. That's what we're after. We're after freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose. And uh, there was, uh, we work with franchises uh, in our sign company. So these are big, big accounts, um, big, big companies. And um, it's still this way now, but earlier on, it was even more that we, we have, we had customers that took up a big chunk of our, of our revenue. Uh, um, you know, we counted on them for a big percentage of our, of our annual revenue. I'm not going to say who the client was um, or the customer, but it was a, a franchise account and they had a, a very honorary franchisee um, for, for one of our projects. And uh, we, I, I was, I think I was actually managing that project personally at that time. Um, I had scheduled the installer to go do the install and he you know, everything was all okay with the timing. The installer was there. He couldn't quite finish in that day. He left a stuff there to come back the next day. Franchisee calls me and says, you got, your guy didn't finish. Like, yeah, he'll be back tomorrow to finish. He's like, well, I have a, an event. I have my friends and family tonight. I'm like, how did you not tell me about that? <laughs> I would have not scheduled it for that last day, but he, that's as, that, that's as far as he got. He, he couldn't, he couldn't finish. He'll be there in the morning. Are since it's a friends and family, are you okay with, you know, there being a few things, you know, undone. That's kind of the point of the friends and family. He's like, no, you better get your guy back here and finish this up. I mean, he starts cursing and, 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 and telling us all how unprofessional we are and, and, and whatever. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, he, he ended up, you know, hanging up on me just in this blaze of fury. And I, um, and, and, and I, well, let's see. One of the things he said is like, I'm going to call the franchise. I'm going to say, you know, to, I'm going to get you fired as a sign vendor for the franchise. And, uh, and so he hangs up. I call my partner, tell him what happened. And, uh, and I said, Hey, I, we're not doing business with this guy. Um, we can't. 
And this might blow up a, this, I mean, they're mad enough um, that to, to go to the franchise and actually, oh no, he actually did call the franchise. The franchise reached out to me and said, Hey, Chase, you got to go back and finish this job um, and, and get it done tonight. And, uh, and, and so sent that email. I called my partner and said, James, I'm going to respond to this. Our values are freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose emphasis on freedom of relationship. We do business with who we like and trust and respect. Um, and we can't, we, we're not going to get pushed around or bullied into, into doing work. That's, that's who we are. But this is a, this is a client that makes us like three quarters of a million dollars a year. Um, I said, this is how I want to respond because this is what our values say we need to do. This is what our purpose is. Are you on board with that? He's like, yeah, we got it. That, that's who we are. That's who we want to be. And so I responded to the franchise. I said, thanks for the note. We don't work with people like this and we're not going to finish. We're, we're leaving the job. We'll refund whatever we have to. Um, I've already told my installer to, to pack up his stuff and he's, he's and to not come back. Um, and, uh, and they're going to have to find a new, a new vendor to finish the job. Um, we, we and, uh, we, we don't, and, and I said at the end, we don't do business with people like this. And, and I, I thought that you didn't either. So maybe we need to rethink our relationship. Um, and, and they actually didn't respond and it just kind of went away. And we, we still do business with, with that company today, but to stand firm, to stand strong, to be true to our values, to be true to our purpose, that we have ultimate freedom of relationship. Nobody holds us hostage. Um, nobody is, we're not doing anything with a gun to our heads. Uh, we're doing it because we want to, we're doing business with people we like, trust and respect. If I didn't have that purpose, that core purpose, um, I would have, acted out of fear and said, I can't lose, I can't lose this money. Uh, I can't lose this opportunity with this account. Um, I think that because I acted in the way that I did, that I probably earned, actually earned respect um, for with that franchise. And which is why we still do business with them today. They actually made an acquisition and we do all the, the we were assigned vendor for that acquisition as well for that, for that, uh, um, that brand as well. Um, a lot of good things can come by by having values and by living by them. And maybe it, and they're not for anybody else. Um, for me, it was very freeing um, uh, to have that experience. And I was very, I was really proud of myself and for our company to say, "This is who we are, and we're going to stick to it." Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's an example that I that always, that's I always great, remember. That's such a great example. Thank you for sharing that because I think. This whole thing of what are we driven by is such an important question. You're so clear on your why for yourself and for your company and what you stand for that it it's, it's an excellent example of what it means to operate from those values and that purpose. And one of the other things that I think I don't know that it's unique to you, but I love the way you have made the decision that your employees are your customers now. And I would love for you to talk about how did you come to determine that and and how does that affect then the way you interact with them and the way they interact with your customers? Yeah, uh, to tell you the truth, this is a, it's, it's a recent realization for me. This is something in the last, you know, 90 days um, that has become more of a focus for me. And the concept was introduced to me by uh, um, our, an advisor advisory group that we work with called Cultivate Advisors. I, I went on a, a CEO retreat to Alaska um, with the CEO of Cultivate Advisors. Um, and he, he ran this. There was a group of, I think, maybe 10 or 12 other business owners um, from around the country that are all in the same sort of stage of business, uh, which is in that sort of four or 5 million uh, in revenue, you know, 15 to 20 employees. And he did it on purpose. Uh, there was a lot of people that applied and he chose a group of people to, to have a, this first annual, I think he's something he's going to do every year, mm-hmm. uh, this, this retreat. And um, the reason why he, he chose that, that group is because we're all in that spot where it's like, am I a business owner or am I an employee in my own company? Am I a manager? Am I a technician? Am I all of them? Do I split the time between, you know, there's a lot of uh, um, 
uh, is unclarity a word? Uh, lack of clarity. There's a lot, a lot of lack of clarity of like, who am I? And there's, there's some, uh, a, a lot, yeah, just a lot of confusion. Um, and it ends up being, um, it, it takes a leap of faith and courage to sort of say, I'm, I'm a business owner and I'm going to rely on people and I'm going to focus on training and, um, and building leaders within my organization, uh, rather than, than the employees. Um, and so leaving that retreat, that, that see your retreat, we were asked to make a couple notes. What are your takeaways? What are you, I mean, we talked about a hundred things. What are three things that you're going to do when you get back? And it, we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it or focusing on it, but it was something that really stuck out to me. And so that's what I brought home is that I am done with customers. I don't work with customers anymore. Um, and so I came back, I, I told everybody, said, I'm not working with any customers anymore. We'll wind down all these projects that anything that I have, I am focused on you guys. Now, um, you, you are my customers and the same level of attention and care that we give to our customers and trying to improve their customer experience on helping them have, um, you know, to, to set good expectations, you know, everything that you can think of that creates a good customer experience. We list it out as a team, what that is, so that we can give that to our customers. And I take that exact list and I apply it to my employees. Um, one of those things that we pinpointed as a team when we made a list of what makes a good customer experience. Um, one of the phrases we came up with was eliminate uncertainty. Um, so, mm -hmm. For, for example, uh, you order something from DoorDash, uh, uh, some food. What if, what if the app just showed up and said, it'll get there when it gets there. Thanks for the order. <laughs> uh, that, that would not be a good customer experience for me, right? Because I'm like, well, I might as well just go out and get it. Uh, but the fact that I can watch a little car on there and go, okay, uh, I picked up my food. Oh, now it's on its way back. Oh, it's going to be here in 15 minutes. Oh, three. Oh, they're, they're approaching. Hey, they left it on your door. I know what's happening along the way. There's no uncertainty. Um, and I don't, it doesn't really matter if it takes 15 minutes or 45 minutes, as long as I know which one it is. Um, that was a big thing for us that, that we want to um, give to our customers. And so I said, okay, do any of my employees experience uncertainty? Absolutely they do. Uh, and is that in line with freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose? Uh, no. They're putting their um, their their life in my hands, right? When when they their their livelihoods, like uh, I am I going to get a raise? I don't know. Someday I hope Chase notices me, and I'm doing a good job. Am I getting a bonus this year? How big is it? What's my Christmas going to look like? You know, all these things that I didn't realize that they're absolutely have, they, they don't have the same experience as me. If I if I need a bonus or want a bonus, I talk to James and I say, Hey, do we have any extra money? I could use a little bit, you know, and make that decision. And it's, it's sitting in my own hands. They don't have that same power or freedom. And so um, that's just one example, but I, I started analyzing how our employees feel. Um, are they experiencing uncertainty? Is their life in somebody else's hands? Um, it, and that goes into purpose, freedom of purpose. Are they, are they just hoping that the results come based off of my mood or my thoughts and feelings. And so I'm trying to get that dialed in to where I say this, your performance here equals this, equals this bonus, equals this raise, equals that, right? This is how you can become more valuable as an employee. Go get this certification. And this is what your, your raise will be. If we hit this revenue, we hit these goals, your bonus will be this. And I've tried to make things much more predictable. Um, so that that's just one example of, of how I've tried to um, implement that principle of my employees are now my customers. I try not to know what's going on, um, on uh, at the customer level. I try not to even know any of their any of the customers or end customers' names. Um, I want to know my employees. I want to know their hopes and dreams, their struggles and fears. What's what's uh, what are they stressed and anxious about? Uh, how can I help clear the hurdles for them? Um, and because they're the, they're the ones down in the trenches. Um, and I, I want to to lead them that way. Mm -hmm. And so how often do you have conversations with, say, an individual employee or manager? Oh, daily. Yeah, that's 
daily. Uh, I, I try not to get out of any conversation, even if it's just a quick question. Hey, what should I do here? Um, or, you know, what's the price on this? Um, here's the answer. Let me tell you all of the background of why I got, how, how I know that and how I got to that so that you can know um, later. Um, but also, I just had a conversation um, in fact, I was late to our meeting, Meredith, um, having a conversation with, uh, with one of our employees, uh, who was, um, in tears, uh, over a situation with a customer, um, and, and to be able to sit down and, and, and take the time, say, here's, you know, just to talk about some principles, um, that are, go are going to extend so far beyond the situation with the customer or her position uh, and her responsibilities at Silicon Signs. Uh, these are principles that are universal for any relationship. She's managing relationships. And here's some other relationships that I'm hoping can extend into families and spouses and kids. Um, we, we don't want their best here. We, I want their best to be with their families. Um, and the awesome part about that is if that's the focus. If we are focusing on them being their best with their families and their relationships that really matter in their lives, then we're going to be enriched and benefit from that effort that they're putting into bettering the relationships in their life. Mm. I'm just thinking how rare it is that, that you see that in companies that they, the focus is on, they're being a better human being actually it in their personal lives. And you understand maybe it's your background with sociology and understanding of, of people and what drives them. But that to me is such an important leadership element that not all leaders understand. It's like your personal life is separate from here. I want to have you focus on, what you need to do while you're here and you take care of your personal life outside. Right. And it, and it also doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to swing the other way either and say, Oh, I'm only focusing on you as an individual. The, the things that we do in business, like my story, my athletic career transferred into my business career almost seamlessly. Um, and the, even those principles that I've learned on how that those setting goals and achieving goals and having drive and being competitive that goes into my personal life too. And so we can still use, uh, I'll give you another example of something we've been working on very recently. Um, I have recently taken over the sales manager role temporarily at Silicon signs. Um, I moved in this role just a few weeks ago. Um, one of the reasons I did is because I, I sat down with our sales manager um, for a quarterly meeting. And, uh, and I said, we're having, we're not hitting these certain metrics and we haven't been for some time. And if we do, it's, it, it's not consistently and it's not all of them. Uh, the last, you know, what, what, what's going on? It's like, well, I just, you know, the work's not there and it's not, you know, it's not coming in and things have slowed down. Okay. I get that. I said, I can see the last time uh, looking at our data, the last time we hit all of our metrics was in April. And in April, I actually stepped in for about five weeks again. And said, "Hey, we got to get some. We we're having some cash flow issues." I stepped in. We had a company, the whole company, come together every morning and every evening at the beginning of the end of the day, where we reported on our day and we set goals and we celebrated and we hit all of our goals. And I asked, "Why do you think that happened in April when I was running that meeting?" And her answer was, "I think it was a coincidence." And it wasn't malicious. It was just like that's actually how she thought, and that was a big thing for me. Saying, "Okay." This is, I need to step in here um, because this is not a coincidence. Metrics are not a coincidence. Numbers are not a coincidence. And if they are, then we're not doing something right. Um, we can't leave that to chance. We do have control over that. And so I came in and we boiled all of our metrics down to these four metrics and we focused on them. We talked about them in the morning and we, um, and, and we, we centered our conversation around them. We talked about how we're going to achieve them and we, uh, last week, one of our metrics was very low on Wednesday. And I said, okay, we're, we're running an incentive. Everybody who hits this specific metric, um, will get a 
of that dollar amount. So it was it was sales order. So it was a, it was a closed, basically a closed sale. Any any quotes you can convert and close the sale, you personally get one percent of that deal of the revenue. And so it wasn't a lot. There was I think a total of you know we we're, we're I think we ended up paying about five hundred dollars total to, to everybody. So it wasn't it was not, but it was something. And uh, we came back the next day, and the metric just blew up. I mean, it was everybody did really really well on it. And I said, okay. I want to talk to you guys about something. We're not going to do an incentive like this every day or every week. And I'm, I'm not even going to promise that we're going to do it ever again. I wanted to show you that you achieve what you focus on. The numbers were there. It, it, it could have happened, but you put attention to it. You focused on it. You wanted it and you got it. This is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. You achieve what you focus on. Um, and so th- that's an example. And, and that is not something that is specific to business or sales. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be a better husband or wife or father or mother or sister or employee, community member, um, if you want to develop a certain skill, um, you don't leave that to chance or coincidence. You know, just hope for it um, and, and, and pray for it. Uh, you make an effort, you make a plan, you set a strategy and you work towards it. Um, so, I mean, maybe long-winded, but another example. No, we want to no that was a great example because it's it's looking at the results, but also the human aspect of it and just understanding people. One of the other things you had um, talked to me about is this adoption of the idea of having extreme ownership. And I'm sensing that just from what you're talking about, but what do you mean by that? And how does that manifest itself in your behavior? Sometimes we, uh, you hear the term like being a victim or, or a victim mentality um, where your results are the results that you see or achieve or things that happen to you are, are somebody else's fault, somebody else's problem this happened to me and it could be the economy. It could be, you know, the market it could be this person's a jerk it could be, you know, I was raised this way and my, I was in an abusive place or a relationship or whatever it is. Those are real things. Those are real pressures. And, and it could be, you know, emotionally or physically or, or whatever that you don't have control over. Um, but at the end of the day, you have the choice to decide if they're going to stay in your way or not, or if they're going to be what takes you down. Um, and you have to be able, if you want to grow, then you, you, one, you can't, you, you can't give somebody else that credit to, to stop you from doing that. And so I think that's one aspect of, of extreme ownership is saying, yes, these things happen to me or are, are happening around us. I mean, the economy is not what it used to be a few years ago or even last year. The market has slowed down. There are fewer signs going up. We're having to fight for every single one. And so we can sit back and be like, well, oh, well, I guess we're going out of business. I guess we're going to be half our sales. Like, or we can pivot and adapt and figure out what we need to do to, to, to make this happen. Uh, we can control what we can control. Um, and that's part of what growth is. It's saying, who am I? Where am I? What are my capabilities? What are, what what situation am I in right now? I'm being perfectly honest with that. And and then finding out what the next step is from there. Um, and I, I think that's that's for, for me. It, it's it's all kind of connected. This this concept of of taking ownership over over the results that you get of taking ownership over your progress, your growth, um, and starting with, with the honesty of, of who you are and and, and where you are so that you can have somewhere to, to improve from. Mm -hmm. And it just sounds like you also apply that with all of your employees as well, looking at to them to take on that ownership too. And you provide the coaching and guidance to help them. Do I have that right with their own growth exactly. and development? Exactly. And and that and that's what, what uh kind of like we, we keep mentioning is that every all, all these principles are connected. Um they don't and they're universal. Uh mm-hmm. they're transcendent beyond anything that you want to apply it to. 
um, is this concept that you are responsible for your life, for your feelings, for your results. And that goes back to our, pur- to our core purpose, which is freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose. Um, when you have control over it, that's what freedom is, right? You're not putting it in somebody else's hands and, and you don't, you don't wait for that to happen. You take control over it so that you can have freedom. Um, and so trying to help them understand that principle helps me in business because if there's a project that's going wrong, if there's a number that we need to hit or a metric, then this is yours. And if you think you have an excuse, I want to hear it because then I can show you how it's not a good excuse, right? (laughs) There's no B team. There's no JV squad. There's no tag team here. This is on you. Take that responsibility. And I believe this comes from my background in sociology. I believe that humans want to create. They, They want to create. They want to thrive. They want to excel at whatever they're doing. We all have this innate desire to do that, I think. Um, and but to excel in something it takes hard work and it takes discomfort um and in this comfort society it, it's something it's it's a it's a bit of a rewiring to do saying no we gotta it's okay to hurt it's okay to be uncomfortable it's okay to have a lack of balance too um temporarily you know we we put this emphasis on oh, work-life balance like you know what i've seen my kids about two hours this week because of work and I've in, I'm part of a choir and we've had a Christmas concert the last couple of days. And, but it's, it's part of me pushing and me growing and me experiencing life. And I'm going, and but what am I going to do this weekend? I'm not doing anything this weekend. I'm going to spend time with my two little babies the entire time. And that's balance for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I'd love to see them every single day, but I'm going to grind right here. I'm going to push right here because that's what it takes to be great and being, and, 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 being great is rewarding um, and it's satisfying and it, it hits a part of <laughs> my ego that I, that, you know, it strokes my ego, I guess. I don't know, but I want other people to experience that too. And I want to help build the roadmap for them. Say, here's, here's what it takes to be elite. I know you want to be elite. It's fun to be elite and you can be elite in, in what you're doing right here. Even if it's as a project manager, a salesperson, an installer, you name it. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one final thing I want to ask you about, and that was a few years ago, you had a near-death experience that has had an impact on you and shaped your life. Would you share a little bit about what happened and what what changed for you as a result of that experience? Yeah, it was actually uh, almost three years ago. Um, or it was three years ago on, on Tuesday, so December 5th, 2020. Uh, a friend, a friend and I, we flew from uh, Provo, Utah, up to Idaho Falls, Idaho. It was his plane, and, and uh, he's a really good friend of mine. He was actually a decathlete with me on the track team um, at BYU, so we're we're really good friends. And um, he, uh, you know, I didn't want to come with them right away, but I said, hey, once you hit a hundred hours, let's you know of experience, then let's go. I'd never been in an airplane before, and my wife was a little nervous. Um, and he was like, hey, I'm at ninety nine and a half hours. I want to hit my hundredth hour with you up in the air. Like, okay, let's do it. So he's from Idaho Falls. We flew up there. We spent the day with his family. Um, and then we were flying back. Um, and uh, I, I kind of got tired and I, I leaned back and I took a little nap. And, and then I woke up to a different vibration in the, in the airplane. It just felt a little awkward. So I kind of sat up and, and I saw him kind of looking around at his instruments. He knew it. He felt it too. The oil pressure had fallen all the way to zero on his uh, um, on the oil gauge. And he's tapping it. It's an old plane. He's tapping it. It's like, oh, is, it, is there a pressure issue? What's going on here? And he's like, I think I'm going to stop at the next uh, airport, which was in Heber, Heber City, Utah, uh, which was still probably another 30 minutes away. Um, and uh, he's like, why don't you, you know, text our wives? And he's like, why don't you text them saying we're going to do a stop in, in Heber and check on some things. He starts to climb and boom, the engine the engine blows. It stops. The prop stops midair. And uh, it, it was it was dark. It was December fifth, and it was there was snow on the ground. We were in the mountains, um, just north of Park City, um, and it was dark. And it just went silent. The engine's very loud in those planes. Um, and so what once was this you know rumbling thing? I, I was wearing these headphones here, and I, I took them off. And it was just this whistle of wind through the windows. I felt like, you know, we were a paper airplane. Um, 
I'd never been in a plane before, a small or a small plane like that. And it just felt like we slowed way down. I was like, we're going to, we're not. I just saw these dark snowy mountains below us and uh, figured we, yeah, we're toast. This is how we die. This is how I die. Um, and there was a moment of fear and terror. Um, but I also, you know, worked through a lot of emotions right in that small, you know, few seconds thinking, I can't do anything about this. There's no ripcord. There's no parachute. Um, so what can I, what can I do about this? And I remember having this thought, do I panic or do I go out, uh, you know, with dignity? Um, and, uh, and it was, that was my decision. I was just like, okay, this is, this is how I die. Had a good life. Um, and this is, this is it for me. And I've read stories in newspapers about other people this happened to. And I never hear about stories where people survive these things. Um, I just read about, you know, who, or who they left behind. Um, I, I had a six month old baby at the time and, uh, my wife, and there was some service up there. And I, I dialed up my wife and, um, and I, I almost pushed send. Um, I was just planning on calling her to, to tell her that I love her. And, um, uh, to, to kiss my, you know, kiss my baby. Um, gosh, I've told the story plenty of times. Excuse me. Um, and that's all I, that's all I could think about is just, I wanted to just hold my, my, my little baby one more time, but we just kept floating. We just kept going. Um, and, and Jackson, my, the, the pilot, my good friend, he was, he was cranking that engine, trying to get it to turn over. He didn't know what was going on still. Was, Please, you know, tried it five or six times. And then he just had this moment. He said, Oh my gosh, where he realized this isn't turning back on. Like we're going down as well. Um, once he said that, I turned to him. And again, we trained together at a high level. I said, Jackson, this is what you trained for. What's the next step? And uh, and he he just got to work. And he started calling in, you know, Mayday. He started, you know, did the FAA, FAA codes. Um, he's doing his calculations. He looks ahead. He sees, we see lights, freeway lights, pretty, you know, well in the distance, little red, you know, red taillights far away. Um, he's doing a calculation based off of, you know, now, from what I know now, it was the speed versus the altitude versus the drop rate of this, this glide, the glide ratio of the plane. He's like, I can make it. I can make it to the freeway. And he looks at it. He goes, what is, that's I-80. He's like, okay, tell him we're, we're emergency landing in I-80. Like, okay, can we make it to Heber? Nope. That's where we're landing. Can we turn around and get to Morgan? Nope. That's where we're landing. All right, let's go. And I just stayed silent, let him do his thing. And he, 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 uh, we, we got close to the freeway. He's flashing his lights on and on to try on and off to try to, you know, catch people's attention. Um, he actually came in at an angle to try to get people to, to look in. And I was actually with him a couple nights ago and, uh, he was, we were retelling the story, kind of remembering that it happened three years ago. And he said that he was, he was saying over and over his head, look up, somebody look up. Um, and he's figuring, you know, people are probably on their phones, like put down your phone and look up. And, uh, and there's a, a, a guy in a pickup truck. He tells the story later. He said, I just had this feeling that put down my phone and look up. He was on his phone. I was being, he said, I was being a bad boy, put down my phone. And I looked up, said, Oh gosh, those guys are, those guys are coming down. And he started doing this little highway patrol weave. And, uh, and, and, and he made a, he made a gap for us. And, uh, and Jackson landed in that gap. It was a perfect landing. Coasted over to the side of the freeway. Our, his, you know, 30, 40 foot wings hanging out all over traffic. Every car had stopped within minutes. Every, you know, patrol was, was, was there. It was wild. Uh, but, but we survived. Um, and, and it was a perfect, perfect landing. And, and, you know, I still look at the Jackson as, as a, as a hero for me, uh, for, for being prepared and, and everything, but it did change me, uh, on a, to my core. I've I have not been the same. Everything in my life has changed from that moment. Um, because it wasn't just this like, oh, phew, that was a close call. I could have died. Um, there was a moment where I said, no, I, I almost did die in a way. 
um, you know, maybe almost like an old me did die because I, I was there. I accepted it. I said, this is how I go. And, and I'm going to be okay with that. I was sad, but I'm okay with it. Um, and so living was almost, you know, to not, to try to not be cliche. It was a, it was a renewal or a, a new lease, I guess. Um, but really what it made me realize is that, um, I'm, I'm not invincible, that there is an ending to all of this. Um, and, and, and it helped me focus on what really does matter in, in life. Um, I saw a quote the other day that, I, that made me think of this. And he said, everybody has two lives. And the second life begins when you realize you only have one. Um, and that was, that, 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 that's, you know, can be somewhat of, I think, a mantra for me moving forward is that my second life began when I realized I only had one. Um, mm. So I've been able to my and, and what what that what that means for me what really does matter to me is the relationships in life. And it's not about how much money I can make or how successful a business I could build. Um, uh, for me personally, it's 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 uh, how it's the 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 closeness and the intimacy um, and the love that I could share with my wife, my children, uh, my parents, my siblings, my friends, my my extended family. Um, just people in my circle. Um, can I, can I help? Can I, can I forgive? Uh, can I love, can I have more compassion? Um, and, and, uh, some other things have changed as, as a result to that, you know, in my personal life, as a result of that new mission for myself, um, it has made me live more intentionally. Um, it has made me live with more purpose and, and passion, um, and meaning knowing that, we don't, we don't know when it's, when it's, when, when we're going to, when we're going to leave, when, when it's, when it's last day for us. So appreciate you asking about it. It was, it's a very meaningful thing to me and, yes. um, and uh, I've been a better person because of it. Well, and Chase, it, it really puts into context everything you've talked about prior to sharing that experience. Your, your focus, just for example, on having your employees have their strong relationships at home because you realized how that's really what matters in life for all of us. So you've been such a gift to my show, to me and to my listeners today. Thank you for everything that you have shared here. I'm, I'm in awe of you as a person, as, um, as a fellow human being, as a business leader. And I think the people who work with you are very lucky. So thank you. I, for- I appreciate that. Thanks, Meredith. I look forward to staying in touch with you, Chase. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.